Powered by Red Media in partnership with TSN, it is episode 32 of season 5 of the Rain Briggs Hockey Podcast, and it is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask. All the hallmarks of classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of sherry. And there you are, Ray Ferraro, for anyone who's joining us on our YouTube channel in Pittsburgh. I was going to say sunny Pittsburgh, but I'm not well, sure. Well, it was 20 sunny. minutes ago. It was, was it? 20 minutes ago. It got clouded over a little bit, but I think we missed the big storm that yeah. went through here. I, I was in Chicago. We got tum- you know a, a touch of it. Yeah. And then by the time I got here, it was... Uh, it was fine. So you were a bit worried about it though on Tuesday, right? Because yep. I mean, all hell can break loose weatherwise in Chicago this time of year. But yeah, I, on we didn't. We didn't get out on time. Have you ever had this happen? We were sitting on the plane, and the pilot comes on and goes, "Yeah, we're going to be a little late." The uh, overnight crew that fueled the plane thought the plane was going to a different city, so they put <laughs> two thousand extra pounds of fuel on. Hmm. Never and had so, that one. No. No, and they said so. We'll have to get that off. All I could think of is. Some guy with a gigantic straw siphoning gas <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm like, man, he's going to be there for a while. So it's I either assume- that you 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 have an option. You can either change planes, um, you know, somehow Oof. drain the fuel, or forty passengers are going to have to get off so that we can meet <laughs> yeah. our weight restriction. Here. I, I didn't quite figure out that they had a reverse fueler, but they do. And took wow. uh, about an hour to get it figure it out and but um yeah it was first time never never had that happen well always better when it happens while you're on the ground as opposed I to do, in the yeah. air right that's an issue yeah. um all right well let's uh, get into the tim horton's headlines for 60 years tim's has been supporting and loving hockey at both the community and pro levels and one of the ways they do it is through the hockey is hers initiative in partnership with hockey canada they're committed to supporting and advocating for the growth of girls hockey in canada with a focus on player retention and training, they're helping to advance young girls in their careers and also provide ongoing mentorship and development to keep them in the game. Tim Hortons, proud partner with the PWHL. You know, Ray, the Cutter Goche story just continues to give and continues to heat up. And Philadelphia reporter Anthony Sanfilippo uh, suggested on his podcast, I believe, that Kevin Hayes may have had some influence in Goche not wanting to sign with the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, Kevin Hayes came out on social media. He denied it. Cutter Goche says that Hayes had absolutely nothing to do with his decision. It's a private matter. And last night, Flyers coach John Tortorella lashed out. The guy here that, that caused Kevin Hayes a problem? Yes. You? Yeah. Are you kidding me? You think Kevin Hayes is going to do something like that? It's Any last questions? First, letting the first two by him. It, it just it pisses me off that, that you guys throw that around and affect someone's life. Kevin Hayes and I had a problem. Uh, we couldn't come to an agreement how to play. That's a good man. That's a good man. And, and what you said is going to stay with him. It'll, it'll, that's what you guys don't understand. You say something, and you're going to sit there and say you have the right source. And I call Go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I, I loved how the tone 
kind of shifted with torts, right? Because I feel like, and I don't know this, I wasn't in the room. If Anthony hadn't been in that room, uh, in that room and that media availability, I think torts would have went off like a, a rocket, right? But as soon as Anthony said, yeah, I'm here, then torts kind of just mellowed a bit, but not entirely. Like he still gave him the, the business. That is just torts to a T, isn't it? It for sure. A couple things. The uh, the PR person that is for a moment tries to get the thing back on the rails, looking for another question, uh, and then has to sit back <laughs> while you know while John finishes the the thought, you know, and then has to okay, and then next question, you know, and they move on to whatever they were going to talk about. It, it's really a it must be a tricky spot for for guys like yourself or insiders or people that try to get to the news first or close to yeah. first or whatever it is, because somebody tells you something. And I mean, I don't know how many times you've been told something. And if you ran with it, the first person that told you, you would have been wrong. No, countless times. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I know I hear lots of things just in conversation and just around the rink and it turns out, not to be anywhere near what eventually happens. And um, he is, Torts is 100% right, though. That that stuff sticks to people. And if there ever was a, an apology or, a, oh, hey, I was wrong, by the time that comes out, it's too late. Because yeah. the people that saw the initial story, half of them won't see the second part. Yeah, And so in their retelling of the story it will be incorrect and so yeah. that was uh that was a str it, it still is a strange story because when goche did his interview with the anaheim radio pr what have you <clears throat> it certainly didn't get any clearer no it right? it's not. not more clear no. than it was three days ago so no. and and maybe it maybe it won't be i mean maybe it just won't be yeah, and and look, I mean, I I've said this repeatedly publicly, but we have more questions than we have answers around why Cutter Goche wouldn't meet with the Philadelphia Flyers on a number of occasions, mm -hmm. wouldn't sign with them. I, you know, we we can appreciate individual choice here, right? I mean, it is a business, and as a player, you're entitled to make those type of decisions. I didn't like the disrespect that kind of oozes out of this. There's no harm in meeting with a club. You don't have to negotiate. You don't have to sign. But also, Ray, and, and correct me if I'm wrong in this, I do sort of admire the confidence of Cutter Goche to basically say to the world, it's none of your business. You know, it's, it's a private matter. I mean, I have lots of questions as to why he wouldn't want to get on board with the Philadelphia Flyers. And, you know, we can speculate. We're not going to, but we can. Others have. But there is a part of it for me that is like, this kid has some serious jam, right? To take the position that he's taking. It, it, it would be, well, there's two things. One, he's got the jam because it takes a lot of stones to oh. take an idea and put it into practice. Like that, that, that's hard to do. Secondly, he must know he's a good player. Yeah. Because if you're a fringe guy, you're not going to make this decision. You know who else made this decision? Blake Wheeler, way back in the day. Yeah, that's right. He got drafted by Arizona, said, I don't want to go to Arizona. And um, 
Is that the way it went? Or did he, and he got traded to Boston? Yeah. He got traded to Boston. Yeah. yeah. Right. And got traded to Boston. And then, you know, who else did that? Guy won the Norris Trophy two years ago, Adam Fox. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going where I got drafted. Yeah. And Adam, through two moves, ended up from Calgary or Carolina to Calgary to, and played for the, and now plays, of course, for the Rangers. So it's not unprecedented. Um, I wonder if it happens more often. Yeah. Like if a if somebody at the top of the draft says, you know what, I don't want to go to a lousy team. Because mm-hmm. here's the second part of this, Drake, as, as I'm thinking about it, is the teams that draft at the top, of course, have done, in most cases, a lot of work to be lousy. Yeah. And so it's going to take more work to not be lousy. And maybe mm. that player says, you know what? I don't want to go there. Like, what if, what if the player that goes number one in, in the draft this year, like, what if they happen to be watching how San Jose's season's going? And they go, oh, my gosh, that's a long way out of that hole, assuming yeah. San Jose gets the first pick. Because it's, it's going to be. It's going to be hard yeah. for a, yeah. a few years. And what if they say, you know what? I, I don't have the stomach for that. Or, mm. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I mean, it's possible. It is possible. Unlikely, and, but possible, right? Sure, it doesn't yeah, happen to- often, right? Yeah. No, no. And it's, and it's not like it's going to start a run of it no. where, you know, the next 10 years in a row, we're going to have top players saying, yeah, I don't want to do that. But it is, uh, now there is a playbook and people will at least consider it, I would assume. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, media tried to, to drag that story into play with Connor Bedard. Right in in association with whatever team, maybe it was Arizona. I don't know. And good on Bedard and his family. I mean, they basically snuffed that out pretty quick, just to right. say, you know what? It's a privilege to be drafted. If I go first overall, I'm going to go wherever I get drafted. End of story. <clears throat> well, do you think Macklin Celebrini's going to get asked that question? Oh, a number of times for sure. He probably right. has already. <laughs> right, but he's going to get yeah. asked it again, and then in his interviews yeah. at the draft, he's going to get it asked again. Yeah. And it's got nothing to do with him, except now it does. Yeah. Um, Tuesday on the Ray and Dregs podcast, we, look, loosely speculated. I don't even know if that's fair to describe how we talked about Trevor Zegris and the situation with the Anaheim Ducks, but we wondered, right? Could he be a player in play? And then Tuesday night on Insider Trading, after doing the pod, I poked around a little bit. And, and what I found out was that at least Pat Verbeek and the Ducks have explored the level of interest there might be in Trevor Zegers. Now, it feels like if you're making another blockbuster type of trade, like the one they just made, sending Drysdale to Philadelphia, you're probably doing that with Zegers in the offseason. That that seems to make more sense because they are working with him, right? And I do think, even though it doesn't appear to be in his DNA to be a complete two-way forward, um, he's, he's trying, I'm told by the ducks, he's trying, he's working. So maybe you entertain that possibility in the off season. So if we can entertain that possibility here again, I mean, where do you see the best fit? I mean, I look at Chicago, there's been some loose kind of connection to the Montreal Canadians, possibly because of mm-hmm. Cole Caulfield. I mean, that makes some sense. Do you, have you given it any thought? I mean, where do you see, you know, uh, Zegers fitting best? No, I, I hadn't until you. You brought it up just you know prior to starting here, and then so I th- I thought there's 
there's a couple of ways to go. The, you know, Caulfield and the Canadians, you know, popped in pretty quick for me. Um, that, that would make sense. Um, you've got a team at a stage of development where maybe that would, would fit. Uh, Mm -hmm. Marty San Louis is, you know, loves creative offensive players and, Maybe that would be if all of that becomes a fit in Montreal. I also thought about what about a team that has really uh, a pretty established culture, um, and you're you're dropping in a a creative, skillful player that would be a smaller part of the puzzle as opposed to a bigger part. Yeah. And so I thought of Boston or the Rangers. Interesting. Yeah. And you know the the Rangers are they've had a tremendous first half of the season without two top six forwards in Filipino and Capo Caco. Mm-hmm. Now Caco I think is about ready to play maybe this weekend and Heedle unfortunately is dealing with a concussion that's been a long-term thing for yeah. him and um you know they've tried I think six or seven different wingers with uh Zabanajad and Kreider. And, you know, they're kind of moving people around, you know, in their top six. Like, what if that was a fit? What if the Bruins were a fit? They, they would like to add a forward and, you know, they're, they're super established in the way that they play. Yeah. So I, th- those are the types of teams. Um, what if Calgary got involved? If, Maybe. Yeah. If Calgary's trying to, you know, trying to change the page or the script there, like maybe that, but it's not going to be an easy deal because it's going to be a costly one because of Trevor's age and, and his early pedigree. Right. Um, Yeah. I, you know, I'm not comparing the player here. I guess I'm, I'm comparing the scenario and maybe a bit of the personality. And I'm thinking of Phil Kessel. So Phil Kessel in Toronto was expected to be the guy, right? right? He was expected to be the guy. And, didn't like dealing with media. He, that just wasn't part of his thing. Sorry, even as you say that, it makes me laugh. Yeah, well, because when they had to trot him out there all the time, and you knew he just hated it. Sorry, no. lose, it just I just had an image of him. I got to oh. talk to him again. Exactly. And, and but then he goes to Pittsburgh, right? And and now right. he's a support role player in Pittsburgh, where he fits in perfectly in helping them win Stanley Cup. So. Maybe in a way that's that's how we look at Trevor Zagris. Like, yeah, there are parts of his game he's going to have to work on clearly, and he's going to continue to do that. But you don't want to push the 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 electricity and the dynamic sort of approach out of him. That's what makes him a special player. <clears throat> it is it is amazing how many times the the quest is to take a player that you like for a number of reasons, and then take a bunch of tools out of his toolbox and throw them on the ground. That just makes no sense to me. You either want the player or you don't. You can maybe shape a little bit to round out the game a bit. Yeah. Right? But you are, in almost all cases, you are not going to take a player that sees the game with the left side of his brain and make him see it with the right side of his brain. He just, it's just, it's in your DNA to a large extent. Now I know people will bring up Steve Eiserman right away because that's a great example. 
but how many guys can you really do that with? Yeah. And the answer is not very many. It reminds me of, wasn't an Alexei Kovalev story with Keenan on the bench with the New York Rangers? But oh, he wouldn't. He it's, would, one of the, it's one he, of the great stories, really. It is. <laughs> well, go ahead and tell it because I, as you're talking about it, I, I, for whatever reason, that story comes to mind because Keenan was trying to exactly do that with Kovalev until he finally said, okay, you do whatever you want to do. Yeah, so they had debated for a long time about <laughs> Alex, who was, honestly, I, I played with Alex, the most talented player I ever played with. Like, not even close. And he was like an artist. He, you know, like, he just thought things his own way. And he was so good, stubborn, yep. stubborn, and was going <laughs> to do things his own way. So he's on that Ranger team, which, of course, has all kinds of veterans and Keenan's way of coaching. And Alex just wasn't coming around to the program. So one night, they, they were on him about his shift length. And one night they say to him, you know, like, that's it. Mind your shift length. So he took a long shift and Keenan just said, screw it. And every time Alex came to the bench, he just waved him back on the ice. So I, I think the shift went over commercial breaks, like about 13 minutes. <laughs> and he, Alex kept coming to the bench and Keenan would say, no, no, you, you stay out there. And <laughs> the problem that. with that discipline was that Kovalev thought it was because he was playing well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keenan wanted <laughs> And he's like, oh, for, he doesn't get it still, man. So still good, doesn't get man. it. I love that. So good. Um, hey, you touched on Calgary a little bit, uh, you know, just in terms of a potential fit. Or Trevor Zegers and I. Can I step stop you one second? Because I yeah. have one more thought. What if yeah, that deal yeah. in the summer mm -hmm. becomes a bigger deal yeah. and includes John Gibson? Ah, it could. And yeah. so then, then you've changed the dynamic because yeah. then I would go, you know what? What about Buffalo? Okay. Right? Like that yeah. that those two pieces there make a lot of sense. Yeah. I am. I think Nashville too, for whatever reason, for Zegers, just to add a little bit of that, you know, punch and, and pizzazz to that team. But so now we're in the season of the trade bait graphics, right? And and for people who don't understand what that means, you know, you'll tune into TSN, maybe ESPN has it on the website, whatever, it doesn't matter. But we've got the players in a top 25 capacity that we think are most likely going to be traded between now and March 8th. Right. So right. Calgary has an abundance on the list. Uh, Lindholm, of course, Tanif, Hanif, and these are all expiring contracts, pending UFAs. But then you've got Markstrom, Jacob Markstrom on the trade bait board. And yep. this is a weird one for me, not because I look, I know that there's a potential that Markstrom could get traded. But I do know also that Craig Conroy has got to get everything he needs to make that deal. And oh, by the way, Markstrom also has a no move clause. So right. he's not going anywhere unless he, he wants to go. But isn't this super tricky? I mean, they're two points out of a wild card spot right now. I, I, can, I can think of Murray Edwards, one of the owners of the Flames, looking Craig in the eye and saying, yeah, you know what? Um, playoff revenue matters to us. So if we're right. in the fight on March 8th, you know, I understand that you can't let players walk for nothing, you know, but 
we're gonna we gotta we gotta stay in the fight. Can you do that without Markstrom? Do you think that's more of an offseason trade if you're doing that? Well, I think you can uh, do it without Markstrom if you get a goalie back that yeah. you know is of uh, maybe a different stature than Markstrom, different contract status. Here, here's what I think of when I think of the Flames all the time, Drakes, is when we had Craig Conroy on the podcast after he got named um, as the GM, he talked about closing the door after Johnny Goudreau left in free agency in his office yeah. and kind of putting his head down and going, that can't happen again. Yeah. You know, like you, for nothing. Now, yeah. you could, I guess, wait to the off season. You know, try and make your playoff push to make it, then whatever's going to happen in the playoffs is going to happen. And you make a deal then. So what do you get? Like a mid-round draft pick? So somebody can talk to Markstrom or Lindholm or Hannafin early? Like, what What are you getting for that? You're like, nothing. You're getting a couple of nickels. And so... There, when I look at Calgary, I, I see lots of good players, but I, I see a, a place that needs, I've used this term before, it's like a dusty old closet. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it needs a big refresh. It feels like from the outside. Yeah. And um, harder to do if you wait to the off season because your three big mm-hmm. chips, which would be Hannafin, Lindholm and Markstrom, if they choose to go there, I mean, you you would be looking at deals that don't quite match the same way, right? Like if if I'm if I'm a team, like drafting a or sending a mid round pick or second round pick or something, whatever it might be, to talk to Hannafin early, I yeah, I'd do that. Sure, why not? But if I want to rebuild my team, I, I if I do it at the deadline, man, I, some teams looking at Noah Hannafin in particular, at Lindholm as difference makers for a playoff run. I think you could do probably pretty well there. It don't and and look as far as Noah Hannafin is concerned, um, you know there there's there's still some ongoing discussion about the possibility of extending him, right. right? But you need that answer ASAP. Like he's already there's- pushed. 60 million off the table once, you know, basically they got to a place where both sides had agreed. And then he just said, nah, no, you know what? I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to so wait. So Drake's, we're that. about, yeah. we're about 55 or 58 days or so from the deadline. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you would know better than me, but I would assume the, the lines are in the water. Oh yeah. And, you know, in the next 30 days, they probably circle back to the ones that they're most interested in and see where exactly do we really have a chance to make a deal all, all around the league. Right. Right. I'll give the kid credit though. Noah Hannafin, um, you know, again, when he pushed away from the contract, I was like, Ooh, that's ballsy, man. Um, you know, because I don't <clears> think <throat> that he's, he's developed into the player maybe that we thought he was going to, but then all of a sudden now you look at his game, <clears throat> what is he? 25 minutes, you know, I mean, he's, he's getting the offense that, most thought, you know, he was capable of when he first broke into the league. Like he is, he's playing good hockey right now. See, I I never saw the offense to him. I didn't like back 
even to the World Junior Tournament where I first really saw him. Yeah. I yeah. saw him more as a um, kind of like a second pair, um, like a leader of a second pair, but a second mm. pair, like not, not a point producer. And <clears throat> he's, man, he has started to, to grow a game opposite of Trevor Zegras, right? Like, so his game has grown from the defensive end yeah, forward yeah. and they're asking Zegras to grow the, you know, the other way offensive end backwards. And, uh, I've been, I've been really impressed, man, Calgary, if you could, what if they miss the playoffs by a point, you think they're going to look at that Chicago game last Sunday? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they Oops. will. Wow. Oops. <laughs> you know, those are tough points to give up when you're in Calgary's yeah. position. Uh, do we talk enough about the Colorado Avalanche? I, I, like, I know we do because they're they're a top team in the league, but holy smokes, you know, another, you know, a shutout win over the Vegas Golden Knights who just can't seem to get it going, lacking scoring clearly. Nathan McKinnon pushed his home point streak rate to 23 games. 23 games. Now, comparatively, I think Gretzky went 40 games, didn't he, with the LA Kings? He went the uh, whole season. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Basically, like honestly, that's just <laughs> just ridiculous to think of. Yeah, <laughs> forty games in I think it was eighty eight, eighty nine with the Los Angeles Kings. So, by comparison, yeah, McKinnon is doing something special, I guess. But that division, that Central Division, is right. loaded, right? Um, you know, you've got Winnipeg doing what they're doing atop the NHL. You've got by Dallas. the way, they're at, they're at thirty games now. Yeah, uh, three goals or less. It, I mean, remarkable. good luck picking who's coming out of the West when you look at the Central Division. I mean, it's a tricky one. And and be it McKinnon, Rantanen, go down the list. I mean, Colorado just feels like they're in Stanley Cup mode again. You know who would look really good there? Is Lindholm. Oh, yeah. Oh, they have to be could... in that mix, though, right? Boston, Colorado, for sure they would be. Yeah, sure if you is. could if you could tuck him in behind McKinnon, pretty as as uh, Larry yeah. David would say, pretty 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 good. Um, would 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 Sean Monahan be yes Plan B if if you don't like whatever Calgary needs, you right. know, out of Lindholm or or just as importantly, you don't like what Newport Sports wants to extend. Lindholm right. because you just can't make it happen. You know, could Sean Monahan be you know a good plan B? Uh, I I would think the only question, of course, with Monahan, <clears throat> excuse me, Drakes, is yeah. uh, is his health. Mm -hmm. And I think of him a little bit like uh, Chris Tanev. Remember those years in a row in Vancouver? He had pretty significant injuries, and the thought was the way he plays, the shots he blocks. Mm -hmm. um, he's not going to be healthy and he's gone to Calgary and he's been totally healthy. Monaghan would be in that same boat. If, if you trust that he's healthy, he's had a really good year and he's big and he's smart and he can produce some offense. You talk, but you talk about that central division. So Dallas <laughs> is not, uh, huh. you know, it hasn't played the last couple of games with uh with Miro Haskin and I mean that that's going to be a a big problem for them they play Minnesota and they just slap Minnesota 
you know, four nothing and what was it, seven one last night? Yeah. You know, yeah. they didn't have Haskin in for either game. And Dallas is good. Dallas is good too. So that that division, I'm just looking now. So Winnipeg's got twenty seven wins. Colorado's got twenty seven wins. Dallas has got twenty four wins. <laughs> and like the, nobody's going anywhere in 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 that. You know, like that's a that's a really solid division. And they're you know, they're start they've separated themselves from from what might be, you know, a push from the bottom. Like those look like those are the three teams mm-hmm. there for sure. Um, you know, LA has played their way backwards. They're three oh and three in their last three, or last six rather, and now they're they're just a couple of points up on on Edmonton. Mm. And so the Oilers, the Oilers make everybody uncomfortable, I think. For sure they would. You know, for sure. They were lousy the other night in Chicago. They had 15 shots. Yeah. And they won 2 1. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, also featured a dead end cul de sac quicksand review that was. <laughs> Connor didn't like. <laughs> ever. McDavid hated it. It, this is how this is. I'm going to rant just for 20 seconds here. Yeah, go ahead. Be longer than that. I hate that review because it took so long that if you can't see it right away, now you're splitting hairs. And 15 seconds, 10 seconds before the referee went out and announced no goal, Zach Hyman came over to my little spot there and he goes, "What do you think?" And I go, "I think it's going to count." Now I'm just one guy, but it's my opinion yeah. that it was going to count. Guy comes out of the box, no goal. I said to him, I'm sorry, no goal. <laughs> but so it's just, it becomes at that point, just an opinion. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not irrefutable evidence. I said during the game, it's like the Zapruder film. They got people looking at this thing from 47 different angles and you should be able to look at it and go and have two people or how many people are in the room looking at it and go, what about this? What about this? Yes, yes, no, finished. That's got to be done within 60 seconds to two minutes. Like the, it, everybody in the building, it was like the intermission of a double feature movie. Everybody was just sitting there, like just <laughs> bored. Like it, it reminded me of the World Junior reviews. <laughs> Those things were oh. painful. Like what? And you get the the referee doing the review. Like let's yeah. have a look here. Like holy smokes, but. Yeah, I thought McDavid sucked. was an excellent post game and <laughs> walking us through that. He was just like, what are we doing here? So. Well, he actually, he said to the linesman, like right in front of me, he's like, if, if you guys can't tell right away, like offside or not offside, shouldn't that be it? Yeah. He's like, what else could you be looking at? Yeah. And there was about three or four players saying the same thing. What else is there to look at? Hmm. I don't know. No goal. And you can't even say move it along because then they had to figure out where to drop the damn puck. Nobody could remember. They forgot. (laughs) They're walking, (laughs) skating around. They're like, oh, yeah, it's over in the corner. What period is it? Do we have another period here? What are we doing? (laughs) Those are your headlines. Thank you to Tim Hortons. For 60 years, we've been beside you, loving hockey. Through the highs, the lows, and everything in between. The game's come a long way, and together we can take it further.
interviews on Ray and Greg's brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask, which is signature CC Classic 12-year-old whiskey. Finish with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Cask. Ask Ray and Dregs anything. Send us your questions on Twitter and Instagram at Ray and Dregs or on our website, rayanddregs.com. Got a little lazy this morning, Ray, as we record this episode. Normally, I peruse all of the Randy and Rashog forwarded Ask Ray and Dregs questions. Um, but you know what? I just thought this morning, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to forward them to my phone and read them as they pop up. So, so, you know, like so we got a chance every once in a while. Yeah. So we got a chance for some really bad ones. You're saying? Well, I don't know. No, I trust Randy, and she she's editorially oh. very sound. No, no, I just thought you meant she's just forwarding a cache of questions, and you're yeah. just going to go bad. That that that's so exactly you're saying what she I'm vets doing. them a bit though. Yeah. Well, I don't know, so but I I do. Oh, well, well, I, to okay, we'll word, give it a go. I have a cache. I do. Um, so the first one is about. Players claiming to never hear the noise. And this question comes from Ben. Okay, so bear with me. Says he's a huge fan of the pod. Seems like every player when asked about pressure from fans or the market often claim ignorance, almost to the point where everyone knows that it can't possibly be true. They're the odd players that seem to truly be in their own world and have a healthy relationship with social media. And he refers to David Plasternak, William Nylander. But we know... Facility TVs are always tuned into the networks, and many players are deep into social media, etc. So, Ben asks, what's the deal, Ray? Is there a stigma or a weakness associated with admitting that you're hearing the noise, you're feeling the pressure from fans or media, or is it part of media coaching and giving stock answers? What do you think? Well, I don't. I don't think anybody wants to. Um let themselves get tied up into acknowledging what pressure really is. Um, and so whether it's internal pressure, pressure from your coach, from your fans, from the media, um, part of the, part of the psychology of it is to, is to not acknowledge or give too much weight to what pressure is. You, you know, what's there. I mean, you, when you're playing, like quite frankly, nobody gives a damn about what the fans say because you can't. It, right. I, I, maybe that's not the right way to say it, but you can't give it any more weight because if you do, it can be overwhelming for you. Mm. And when I played, it was different because I never had to deal with this nonsense. Um, I would have had to not have social media. I would have been bad at it. Like I, I would have, I would have heard it for sure. I know I would have. And, um, but is there, it's not a stigma that like, but why would you acknowledge it? Why would you make your job harder? The yeah. examples he gives are two of the best players in the league. Well, they can do whatever they want. <laughs> yes. Right. Can. Like they, they, they really can. So the, what, what somebody says on a panel or what an analyst says in game should have zero impact on a player. They've got enough coaches. They've got enough support staff. Why would they care about somebody that doesn't really know? And the the problem is 
it does bother you because they're they're just people. Did you ever right? confront uh, a writer or maybe a, a panelist back in the day because you, you thought their commentary, their column, their whatever was unfair? Did you ever say yes? Hey. Okay, yeah, I did, and um, I got his phone number and called him at home. And when I said, "Hey, it's it's Ray Ferraro," like the line went silent. Mm. And then we argued for 10 minutes and got to the root of why he was saying some, like he was saying some things about, about the way I was playing, but he, he went a little too far. Yeah. And, um, I thought I needed to tell him that. And he told me why he went that way. And at the end of it, like most disagreements, Drake's, it was, it was way better once we finished the call. I, I heard him, he yeah. heard me, and then we said, well, I'll see you the next time I'm in that city, and off we went. Accountability, right? Cuts both ways. It, it did go, it went both ways, and yeah. he told me why, I told him why, and we argued a bit more, and then I went to practice, and he went back to write his next story. All right. Good question. Thank you, Ben. Uh, from Nathan, ask you about household rivalries, which undoubtedly the Ferraro house has some rivalries, sure. right? So um, Nathan says that he and his wife are from Windsor. So he's a Red Wings fan. Nathan is a Red Wings fan. His wife is a huge Toronto Maple Leafs fan. So needless to say, when Detroit plays Toronto, they have a pretty significant divide in the house. So are there rivalries in your respective households, games that just seem to mean more, whether it be hockey or another sport, maybe between you, your spouses, your kids? I don't have any in my house, to be fair. Holly's not a big enough sports fan to care one way or another. Loves the, the international stuff, of course. Doesn't matter the sport. Um, you and I have said this many times. We don't cheer for teams. You know, my kids are Maple Leafs fans. Doesn't matter to me. So I don't have rivalries. I'm going to guess that when Canada and the U.S. play, there's some discussions in the ferraro Granado house. There is, but it's complicated because our boys are born in Canada. Right. <laughs> and so <laughs> there's, you know, there is, some, there is some complication here. And Cammy's lived up in Canada now for, uh, well, when, when do we get married? In, since 2002. Oh, and so, she, so she now waves the Canadian flag is what you're saying. Yes. On Rain yeah, a little I bit. I, so the rivalry has gone, has gone away. That just for sport, my younger son, Reese, who's 14, he is a diehard Liverpool supporter. <laughs> okay. So if they lose or draw against somebody they shouldn't, I, I take the other side just to wind them up a little bit. <laughs> and, and oh man, and you can't get into an argument with him about it because no. he knows a, like a thousand percent more than I do about, <laughs> about world soccer. Yeah. So, so are you doing some that, research on the team that is, oh yeah. is about to play Liverpool? So you have a couple yes, of little I, tidbits. <laughs> Dregs, I will send him some news and he'll go, yeah, dad, that happened three days ago. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> whatever. That's it's like awesome. a bad dad joke. He just so yeah. There's we have a little bit. We have a little bit on that for sure. Good. All right. One more for Ask Rain Briggs. Rod Kirby. 
It's a golf-related question, and I, oh. I, I've never been asked this, but you know, Rod says, hey, you guys and others talk about your handicap. Um, so he says, I get the gist of how it works, but is that from the tips? Is it from the blues? Is it from the whites? Does it matter? <laughs> I, I've never thought about that, but it doesn't matter, does it? Yes, it does. Oh, you, does it? Matters your 100%. It changes. Yes, that makes sense. I, I've never really paid close enough attention <clears throat> to. I, I've never been a. I was so a single digit you, handicap when I was like twenty one years old. Since then okay, so down. when you enter in your handicap on the on the yeah, Golf yeah. Canada app, yeah, yeah, um, it asks you what tees you're playing from, and your score, and so you put your score in. It adjusts it. There's not a bunch of guys sitting in a room, Drake's. The computer adjusts it, and uh, and so it adjusts <laughs> it to the, to the tees that you have. And then your handicap comes up, and it'll say from the black tees, you're uh, 7.4. From, right. the, from the blue tees, you're a 6.8. And the white tees, you know, so it's a different handicap from each. Hmm. Yeah. And you get your index. and your index you enter in if you go to another course say you're right, a 5.4 right, right. you yeah. enter that index in and it'll tell you what your handicap is from each tee that tells you the last time that i kept track of my handicap and literally the last time i did i i didn't even live in toronto and i've been in toronto since 1998 i think you would literally hand your scorecard in in the pro shop right and they would enter the, it yeah, the assistant pro would enter it because there was one computer and it was behind the counter and he would enter right. it. And then there'd be, you know, a list that's uh, on a bulletin board. And, okay, there's Dreger with a 10 handicap. So, yeah. Excellent. Ask Ray and Dregs anything. You learn something every day. There you go. You're not just an expert in the game of hockey and soccer, Ray, but you've got all of the inner workings of golf handicaps. Well, as well. Quite, quite frankly, that's a, that's a very important thing. The golf handicap for my world. <laughs> is it? So when well, you're betting, yeah. when you're when you're playing Landon or Murph or any of your buddies out there, is it handicap based or is it just score based? No, handicap based. Landon and I play straight up because he thinks he can beat me and he can't. Okay. Not quite All yet. Right. He hits it forty seven miles. But I know <laughs> at some point he's yeah, yeah. gonna try so hard to beat me yeah. that he's gonna screw up. Like I, <laughs> I just know it. But when I go on our, the golf trips, I mean like the it's uh, it's very um, very regimented. Oh, uh, you got to get your information in, and hey, Razor, and what's it? What's your handicap? Got to get her to go. So, got uh, got a trip coming up, and um, you know, so got to tidy up the game. Even though right now there's buckets of rust on it. Yeah, all right, all right. You're in Pittsburgh, right? I am uh, Canucks and Penguins tonight. Penguins. Yeah. You know what's interesting? You know, doing the the checkup for the game here is when Toronto thumped them seven, nothing, Yeah, you know, it was pretty embarrassing for the Leafs and certainly for Kyle Dubas to go back into Toronto and get kicked in the shins like that. They're seven, one and two since then. Yeah. Wake up for sure. Wakey, wakey. And so I, this should be a really good game. The Canucks are, you know, I mean, they just steamrolled their way through the New York area and Mm -hmm. uh, this is game five of a seven game trip. And then home, back to van for you? No, then I go to Oh, you've got an ABC game. That's yeah, right. our first ABC game, uh, Rangers, who've kind of stumbled around a little bit. A little bit, yeah. 
And then Washington, how they're in the playoff race, I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. Given like their goal differential is terrible, their power play is awful. Yeah. And yet there they are. And uh, so that should be that should be really good on Saturday afternoon. Okay. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, and then back home. Then I get back home. Then I'm home for about five days. So good catch up there. What about you? What do you got on the weekend? Ah, uh, good question. Ah, you know what? We talked about Colorado in the Tim Hortons headlines. I'm going to the uh, Avalanche Leafs game on uh, on Saturday with uh, Mason Dreger. So just just sitting in the seats, Ray. I'm not actually working it. I'm actually going there. As <clears throat> a couple of guys you should of the- watch on the abs. I'm not sure if you're familiar <laughs> with that. Makar fella, he's pretty good. Yeah. You might want to you know, watch. Uh, I forgot know. to ask you real quick because we've got to wrap up this episode. But <clears throat> did you see Austin Matthews start the game the other night with black tape? Now, he's always used white tape. So he starts the game yeah. with black tape. What has he got? 30 goals? Like, come on. Right. And maybe went two, three shifts, and then all of a sudden he's like pulling the black tape off and putting the I, white. I, I can't <laughs> even describe to somebody that doesn't play how wrong it looks to change the color of your stick. Tape. O-Dog's head almost exploded on the panel when he saw it. He was like, what is going I, on? <laughs> I went I went like 12 games without a goal. Always used black tape my whole life. And I said, screw it. I'm going to use white tape. We were in Quebec City. I scored three goals on three deflections. I didn't shoot the puck once. <laughs> okay. Scored Three goals on deflections. Never changed again in my career. Use white tape the rest of my career. I, I just, and I was like, forget it. But I'd look down and it was so weird to go from black tape to white tape. I even scratched black marker on the top of the blade. So when I looked down, <laughs> I saw black. And then I'm like, well, this looks stupid. And then I liked, and then I went to white. I, why would he change? I don't know. What don't was know, he, no. is he going to get? Hotter? I mean, the, the guy <laughs> scores every game. <laughs> well, apparently there was nothing to it. Let's see. Uh, let's try something our attention new. For sure. Yeah. Well, and maybe right, they buddy. ran out of white tape, right? You never know. Maybe. I mean, they're on a budget in Toronto. You know, tape is a big issue. It's a big line expense for Maple Leaf. <laughs> That's it, is it? <laughs> All right. Safe travels. Have a good weekend. Uh, thank you to our sponsors who continue to support Ray and Driggs and make this podcast possible. Our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, Tim Hortons. And thank you for rating, for sharing, for listening, and for following us on the Ray and Driggs YouTube channel as well. Until Tuesday, stay safe, everybody. <laughs>